Alrighty, we are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 486. We're recording live on October the 13th. Uh, uh, Brianna, how's it going? It's going good. Happy Thanksgiving to you and all of our friends in Canada. Yeah, yeah, we had a good celebration this weekend, uh, much smaller than normal. Um, you know, so uh, case counts have gone up a little bit here in Ontario. So the government's kind of clamped down again and they've told everybody to kind of uh, for Thanksgiving, you know, just celebrate with those in your own house and things like that. So, you know, no big extended family gatherings, um, but that's, you know, it was okay. We got through it and, you know, we talked to our family and whatnot. So it was a virtual holiday more so. Virtual holiday. So, yeah, um, they keep saying here, like if we, if we, follow the rules and we do a good job, you know, for Thanksgiving, which we just had, then hopefully Christmas will be normal. That's what they're, they're aiming for here. Well, I'm hopeful for you. That would be really great. Yeah. Uh, we had, yeah. our kids had fall break this weekend, so they had a longer weekend. Um, you know, anybody who works, not so much so, but we actually ended up just going um, apple picking and it was nice, you know, we drove up to the mountains and enjoyed some of the fall leaves and came back with a bag of apples, which means now I have to figure out something to cook and like bake. Apple or, pie. You know, apples. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to cook, but I feel like since having kids, my time in the kitchen is more like just a means to an end versus like an artistic outlet as it used to be. But baking's like a whole new thing. So now I've got to like find a recipe and... I don't know. I'm going to have to get domestic or something this week. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, right. it was good family time. <laughs> Keep it posted. <laughs> well, that's where you bring the kids into it. Like they, they can get domestic with you well, or messy. I can whichever. get messy. <laughs> yeah. um, cool. Cool. Uh, and your Braves are doing well. Oh my goodness. I stayed up way too late last night. It was like super excited. My husband was like falling asleep in the bed and I was watching it and, um, and I probably will come up like five times like, ah! you know, just with the excitement. So, uh, yeah, it was a really exciting game and like really great pitching in the beginning and just a lot of back and forth. And, um, yeah, so I'm excited to watch the rest of the series, but we're excited here in Atlanta. There you go. No, I think, yeah, I mean, you've got a great team, so we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it works out. Um, I'm just happy the Yankees are out. So our, our, our mutual <laughs> friend, Ron Carricker would not appreciate that, but I'm, I'm happy the Yankees are out. <laughs> so I'm going to have to side with you on that one, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, all right, well, we've got a good show for you this week. Uh, four stories to cover. Uh, as per always, I'll have Aubriana kick us off with a, uh, a fun uh, brand story. Yeah. So um, this is a, an interesting story because IBM has this um, internship type of a, and leadership program. It's called um, Extreme Blue. Apparently it's been around since 1999. I didn't know much about this, but I kind of dug in. But it's where business and technology students can collaborate on a variety of ideas. And this time they collaborated with Burberry as a brand. Um, and the project is really just designed around um, transparency and sustainability of products for Burberry and just showcasing that. Um, and so they plan, Burberry plans to put labels on all of their items at some point. 
um, that would just outline like what is the sustainability of the elements or the positive attributes sort of that each uh, product has, right? So um, examples could be like recycled, number of recycled materials used or um, how it adheres to the carbon emissions um, standards or that, you know, those who assembled were paid, um, you know, fair living wages uh, to create the product. So it's pretty interesting. They aim to have all of this on display. Um, well, they have, they aim to have all of their products have more than one positive attribute by 2021, which is a great, you know, very ambitious. Um, and the system that they built and worked with is called Voyage, and it's using IBM's public cloud and blockchain platform. So it's collecting the different key data aspects, um, and it displays the details um, within, it's going to be used within the Burberry app. That's the plan. So, you know, we, we've seen something like this with some other companies, like we've seen Starbucks kind of talk about like how they grow the coffee beans all the way to it ending up in your cup. And I would say that this is, um, you know, more and more we are becoming a little bit, uh, I, I don't know, I think sensitive about the products and things that we buy. And especially when you're talking about a brand like Burberry, it only makes sense to think about when you're paying a high end price to make sure that there are high end and quality materials. But also, you know, the fact that like you're thinking about the environment and you're thinking about, you know, the people who made this and assembled it, that it wasn't in some sweatshop and that they're paid fairly. So I like this idea. I like uh, bringing in technology and social responsibility together and showcasing that, um, you know, I think we've heard a lot of, I don't know, at least from my perspective and hearing a lot of uh, like D to C brands talk about sort of the sustainability. And I think that that's going to push more of these sort of high-end and couture brands to follow suit because, uh, you know, more and more, it seems like people are more interested in um, something that was built sustainably and ethically than something that just has um, a fancy brand name a lot of times. And so I think it's kind of pushing these, these uh, you know, large couture houses to, to step up and not only, you know, provide and make fashion, um, and and really, uh, you know, set the tone for whatever is coming on trend, but also to say that it's a trend to be socially responsible um, and not maybe wasting a lot of our resources. So I would have to say, though, one thing that does bother me is that I've heard of a lot of fashion houses that like if they don't sell things, they just burn them all in a big pile at the end of the year because they're not going to ever discount or have sales. And to me, that just is like. I don't know. I frown upon that. But back to the focus story. I like this. I think it's good. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's interesting. And, and obviously, um, you know, we've talked, as, as you indicated already, whether it's Starbucks or others, um, you know, about uh, I think the consumer's uh, desire to understand you know, what they're eating, what they're buying, where it's coming from, uh, you know, how it's sourced, how it's made. Um, and having that traceability, I think, is really important. Obviously, IBM has, you know, some pretty solid blockchain technology to, to enable that. You know, and I think, as you say, I think, you know, especially high-end brands like this, like Burberry, you know, need to, you know, sort of really uh, get behind their product and kind of uh, share, you know, with their with their buyer kind of what, you know, what's going on kind of, you know, be underneath uh, the hood uh, type of look at things. And so I think that's interesting. Um, you know, I, 
I wonder whether, so the only question I have about this is, is that it's sort of that experience is, is enabled through the Burberry app. So like, I mean, I'm assuming that there's some big value add beyond this for people who are Burberry shoppers to have a Burberry app. I don't know. I mean, I don't know anybody who has a Burberry app, but I don't, you know, I, I can't afford to hang out in those circles. So maybe you do. Um, uh, I, you know, but, but to me, it's like, I, I, I'm not against it. I think that needs to be the way that this is powered for them, but hopefully there's other experiences that can kind of share this, uh, whether that's through a QR or AR or some other things that they can do in store that can deliver the same sort of visibility into the sort of supply chain and the ecosystem behind this. Um, you know, and through the app, I think it's, it's not a either, or I think it's, it's, you know, all of the above like kind of thing. And, uh, so I'd like to see that. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I think people are really striving to, to understand. And I think also to, um, you know, the, especially in COVID times right now, where there's a big focus on, uh, you know, buying local, supporting local businesses, um, you know, none of us want to see our small businesses, you know, in our communities, you know, go under. And um, so I think, you know, when you're a big, you know, multinational brand, you need to do everything you can to kind of really show that, you know, you're supporting local business and you're not just exploiting, you know, um, you know, the market. So I'm all for it. I think, you know, there's a lot of value in what they're trying to do here. I think IBM's a good solid partner to bring into this. Um, I hope it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, a wider exposure than just through the app. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, likely, I know we had covered a story about one of their uh, very interactive stores that they were launching um, somewhere in APAC and, you know, they had the, the scannable QR codes and earning points to use in the cafe. I, but again, I still, even then, I don't know that that's worth like, yeah, I'm sure I know people who have the Burberry app, but at the same time, why, like for me, I don't know that there's not a lot of like brand specific apps like that, that make a lot of sense to have in my opinion. But um, yeah, so I, I, I would agree with that, that point that there's not a high value proposition there, but maybe they'll surprise us. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, moving from Burberry now to uh, over to Germany, uh, where a candy company is kind of getting ready for Halloween in a little bit of a different way. A company's called Ferrara, um, and they have a very popular candy brand called Trolley. Um, and obviously, Halloween's going to be a challenge this year with COVID, and um, I think many you know, cities, many areas are, are encouraging people to not go door to door this year and find other ways to do that. And I think obviously this is very tough for, for the candy uh, manufacturers um, in finding kind of new ways to connect um, and get their brand experience across and, and, and their products across. So uh, what these guys have come up with is they've, they've tapped into augmented reality this year and they've come up with a new a mobile game that people can play and they've partnered with Active Theory and Sony uh, for two separate campaigns uh, uh, which use augmented reality. It's the first time that this brand Trolley has done this um, and um, it kind of um, you know sort of works with uh, with their themes a bit um, and so 
so there, so this is on Sony PlayStation and Active Theory, um, and it's it's called Dis Deliciously Dark Escape. Um, so it's a multi-layered game, uh, and it's and you engage with this by scanning a QR code off of a uh, candy package. So they've got these trolley gummy worm packages that are out there, uh, and you find these packages, you scan, and it activates the game um, for you to play. And they've, what they found interestingly on the research that they've done with this is that there's a interesting correlation between their typical customer who's consuming this candy and gaming uh, and gamers. 75% um, of US households have at least one gamer. 21% of those gamers are uh, 18 uh, are, are younger than 18 years old. Um, and um, yeah, so they've developed this sort of hidden site that gamers can engage that, you know, is, is activated through the packaging. Um, you can win PlayStation and Trolley prizes. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's, so it's been up and running since the middle of September. Um, they've already got over 26,000 unique users who played the game. So good engagement, I think, uh, spending at least 4.5 minutes playing. Um, so yeah, and they, they, you know, they're quite happy with the success of this. They, they're, you know, they're going to get kind of develop more games, and more crossovers this way. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool, um, and it's a different way for a candy brand to kind of really get into Halloween this year, uh, and and team up with something that people like, which is game, that age. Yeah, I think this is um, at least creative and unique how they've done that. And Trolley, I mean the the gummy worms, right? I mean. Who doesn't love some gummy worms and sour gummies and sugary things like that? I mean, anyways, um, yeah, I like that they have thought about identifying a specific audience segment. I think that that is um, that's solid marketing there and knowing their numbers and going out after that, I think is really great. And I love the channel that they're using in order to do that. I think it's really um, really solid. And it sounds like twenty six thousand is not small engagement, especially for you know a gummy worm brand. Um, so I think that's that's a, a pretty creative and positive, you know, story for sure. I mean, for candy. Yeah, and the other thing I like about it too is, is that, um, you know, they it's not a one-time thing. They've kind of designed it in a way that people will, you know, hopefully re-engage and therefore buy more gummies to, to drive more engagement. So the QR on the pack gives you access to a 14-day uh, PlayStation Plus trial um, which is an ex like this exclusive thing that they put together. And then it, uh, uh, it encourages return purchases because on each pack of, um, where the QR codes is, you get a 10 minute, uh, sort of unlock of the game. So the more packs you buy, the more game time you get basically. So once you're into the game and we know how gamers are, they always want to keep playing more. Um, yeah. you know, so hopefully you got to buy more gummies, which, you know, maybe makes up for the lost sales in what they would have sold in Halloween candy. I don't know, but you know, at the end of the day, I think it's a neat, fun way to engage people in, in a different way than has been done in the past. So I like it. Yeah. I feel like they almost just took a page out of like candy crush. Right. So instead, Instead of just having to buy more like re-ups and not waiting to come back, you're actually physically buying candy. And I think that it's just, it's smart, right? It's driving revenue, it's driving engagement. Um, and there's likely a lot of, of data that they're able to capture about their consumers to better understand them and serve them. Um, and so I, I like the, I like how this is not just a fun campaign, but it's actually uniquely tied to increasing sales as well. So. 
Another Halloween story um, moving on is um, Halloween campaign with Nextdoor app and Party City. So uh, do you guys have Party City in, in Canada? Yep. Okay. So Party City, you know, you get your costumes and your plates and cups for your birthday parties and decor and pinatas and all those things. Uh, well, now they are doing this campaign uh, where they've teamed up with the Nextdoor app. And what they do is it's like Halloween inspired um, augmented reality uh, experience. So you can go in and see where in the, you know, there's like virtual visitors within your community. And I definitely am gonna maybe try this out with my kids and see if I can uh, send you a picture or something, but you can have these virtual visitors in the neighborhood and, and you can go and take pictures with them uh, through the app. And so obviously, again, we're looking more at what our you know, alternative ways to celebrate Halloween during the pandemic without having large groups together. Um, and so this is an interesting campaign. And I like, you know, I like this. I think the Nextdoor app has not been traditionally one that's pushed out a lot of these types of campaigns for advertising. And I like that they're starting to get into that a little bit more. Um, I think Nextdoor app is really good at a lot of things, but they've been sort of slow in how they monetize uh, a lot of their their data and the access that they have on such a granular and localized level. And so I really like this type of, of, uh, of an aspect. And I think there's so much more that they could do, um, especially just connecting, uh, you know, things like local businesses and, um, you know, they do a lot in the in the crime and safety areas for for neighborhoods. And and now I think just moving towards like kind of a fun aspect and engagement um is going to help them a lot in terms of growth um and even new new user acquisition so i like this campaign cool yeah i i mean i i don't have a lot to add to this story i think it's it's a good partnership for them i think that uh you know party city it's interesting right because you know when you when you think about halloween and you think about costumes and you think about decorations and all of that you know party city is one of those brands that you know you, you just it's a regular it's a staple right of, of where you go to for you know the things you need you know up here we out you know we also have this i don't know if you guys have this there but we have this other brand that sets up these sort of temporary stores called spirit halloween um and uh it's all they sell those costumes and stuff and they're like they're only open for like a month and then they're gone and then you know yep. maybe they set up for christmas again or whatever i don't know but um you know it, it's um it's interesting, right? And like the like the candy story, they have to find new ways to kind of reinvent this holiday, right? Or this celebration. Um, and I think Nextdoors has been growing fast. They've been, you know, really sort of connecting. Uh, even here in Canada, we've seen like my local neighborhood where I live, you know, there's a, a Nextdoor community and people are quite actively posting messages and, you know, what they need, what they're looking for, what, you know, who's got a recommendation for this service or that. Um, so this idea of this sort of treat map and understanding kind of who's handing out candy or who's not handing out candy or encouraging people to decorate and kind of coordinate things, uh, you know, on your street. I like it. I, th I think it's it's a great sort of way to sort of continue to build that community and, 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 and get local and get connected to your neighbors uh, in a different way, right? Like, you know, people often talk about how, you know, we're so busy, you know, with our work and our, you know, kids and our lives that, you know, we don't have the time to, to get to know our neighbors, like maybe a generation ago. Um, you know, I don't know if you had this, but when I was a kid, 
you know, we used to have this thing called neighborhood watch. Um, and so like there would be like people, you know, who worked from home or who were, you know, at home during the day and they used to have like the symbol, like the neighborhood watch symbol and you would have it in your window. And if you were a kid and, you know, you were locked out of your house or, you know, whatever the case was, you know, something that was, you know, awry, you, you knew who the neighborhood watch houses were that were kind of trusted. You could go to ring their bell and you can kind of like, you know, they would let you in and they were safe and trusted by the other parents and, you know, just stuff like that. Right. And I think, you know, in a similar way, we need to find ways to reinvent Halloween and find safety in our streets and knowing our neighbors. And I think next door is a good way to do that. And I think party city is, you know, kind of captured, you know, in teaming up here with them, you know, an interesting way to kind of get their brand out there and kind of get behind local and get behind community engagement. Um, and I think that's really key, right? Because, um, you know, I, th I think, as we talked about, and even in the first story this, the, this morning with IBM, um, you know, and, uh, and talking about sort of the blockchain and traceability, even though we're talking about a big you know, luxury brand like Burberry, bring that down now to Party City and all of a sudden it, it, the same applies. Like we want to, whether it's tracking the supply chain of our product or, you know, just connecting with people around us locally, it's, it's still about knowing each other, knowing what's going on, knowing, you know, who people are, um, you know, and I think this idea of local, of buying local, supporting local, engaging local is, is really important. And that's what I see in this story I, and I like it. Yep. All right. I said I didn't have a lot to add to that story. Somehow I ended up talking for a while, but that's weird. Um, anyways, okay, final story now. Walmart. Um, so going back to big box retail here, um, they are experimenting now with 200 uh, super center stores in the US right now uh, on kind of reinventing the kind of layout and flow of their stores with new signage. And so if you've been in any Walmarts out there, you know, historically they've been big uh, investors in signage and digital signage in particular, um, but they, they kind of wanted to mix it up a little bit and take a page out of how airports use uh, location data and wayfinding uh, uh, signs. And so what they're doing is, is kind of just, you know, recreating how they label, um, you know, different fonts, different uh, placements of screens in different areas to kind of talk about, uh, you know, here's the meat section or here's the dairy section or here's the men's clothing uh, section and so on. And kind of when you come in, they've got these sort of big digital uh, signage uh, uh, screens that you would typically see in airports with directional arrows kind of pointing you uh, for faster navigation, faster kind of uh, getting to where you need to go. And I, I, I really like this because it, it's not, I mean, if you're a regular Walmart customer, you probably know the layout of the store, but if you just kind of walk into a Walmart and sometimes they move things around, but like, you know, I think it's, there's this idea today that you know i think this really plays well with and that is especially the younger generation coming behind us sabriana is really you know there's this sense of urgency impatience um you know i run in i need to get whatever i need to get and um especially if, if you if you've grown up almost exclusively in a uh Amazon Prime, Uber Eats, you know, delivery world where everything's brought to you. And now for some reason you have to walk into the store and you don't know it. 
you know, having the, the directional uh, sort of aspects of leading you where you need to go quickly, um, I think is helpful. And so, yeah, so they've kind of got this all connected into the, the Walmart app experience. Um, and like at an airport, if you've ever used wayfinding in an airport app or a airline app like United's app uh, that you know, is fully connected into O'Hare Airport, for example, you know, you can pull up and say, hey, I'm looking for this. And it can give you turn by turn navigation indoors in terms of getting you to where you need to go. So I think it's quite powerful uh, what they've put, put together here. Like I said, they're testing this in 200 stores, uh, super centers um, across the U.S. And um, yeah, I, I, I mean, from the, some of the imagery that they shared and some of the pictures I've seen, I think I like the look of it. I think it looks really clean and, 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 and well-labeled and well-laid out. Um, and, it, and of course, they're also, uh, it's not just kind of the navigation experience. They bring in contactless payments and other things as well for seamless checkout. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I like this, you know, I, um, I actually use the, uh, like the location of products on my target app a lot when I shop because sometimes there's multiple places that something could be found for example when I was looking for like back to school supplies, you know they have like the general like office supplies area but then sometimes they have these seasonal pop ups in different areas and mm -hmm. so like being able to find certain things and, you know, with little ones you have like this very specific list of the supplies they're supposed to have. And so, um, you know, I use that a lot of times when I'm looking for something very specific versus just like my everyday, you know, I need to get more, you know, paper towels or whatever it may be, or, you know, laundry detergent. Um, and so I, I think that it's really helpful to be able to have that, especially in a huge store like Walmart. And especially when you're visiting different locations potentially and the stores are laid out differently being able to easily find what you're looking for is really helpful the one thing that i would say though is like i think sometimes you look at these big box stores and instead of uh you know it's great that you have all this information inside of an app but to give a a, a very clear example um when the pandemic first was starting and things were shutting down I knew we needed to have some extra activities here at the house for the kids to be able to do while it was warming up outside. And so I was looking for like a kiddie pool, right? I just wanted one of those little plastic pools that my girls could sit outside and splash around, have fun. Um, and so I searched, I found it on the Walmart app. It says it's in stock at this specific store. I go exactly to where I'm supposed to be. And they're like, oh no, we're sold out. We haven't had those in a long time. You know, there's no, none of those are here. And I'm like, well, yeah. it says it's here. So I think that there's a disconnect between what you can do from a technology perspective and what's really happening, not only from an inventory, but from an organizational standpoint. And so like, my question is, there's so much focus sometimes on technology aspects. And I think that also if the underlying support there is not, consistent with that experience it just ruins everything that you've done so if there's not you know any staff that you can ask you know is this not here is this in stock or you know helping you kind of fine-tune things once you get there um, or if the place is just a disaster like that's not really helpful from you know a customer and consumer perspective experience um, so I think that the idea of the wayfinding is awesome and I just hope that they also invest in what's going on in the stores as, as it pertains to like kind of just rounding out the whole experience. There you go. And that's it. Well said. Um, so that's our show for this week. 
uh, four pretty great stories in there. Um, and uh, I, I think a fairly wider array of topics, but probably we'll have a few more Halloween stories, uh, you know, before, uh, before the month is done. Um, but uh, yeah, we thank you for listening and watching. You've been uh, absorbing episode number 486 of Location Weekly. Uh, please reach out to us if you have story ideas uh, or feedback for us. Uh, we're easily found on all the social channels. And if you're watching the video, uh, the information's at the end of the, uh, of the show. So thanks everybody, have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.